Wilson on the rebound, and the Panthers win it in overtime. 2-1 the final. Welcome to Territory Talk, the official podcast of the Florida Panthers. Essex sends it straight ahead. Barkov has room, cruises in Barkov, makes it over, he scores! Here are your hosts, Jamison Olive and Doug Plagans. Hey everybody, welcome back to Territory Talk, the official podcast of the Florida Panthers. Wherever you're tuned in today, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, thank you very much for making Territory Talk a part of your day. Thanks for listening, whether it's your first time or your 48th time tuned in, the 48th episode of Territory Talk, which is coming up on its uh, first birthday. I believe my co-host here, Jameson Olive, has that specific birthday. We might have to go digging for that, uh, for that specific birthday. We gotta go digging birthday. for the specific date, but I think definitely we're gonna have to get, uh, we got, so, you know, doing the math there means we got four weeks so that that one year and there's a couple guests i think we got to get on either on that date or before the date to celebrate not going to give away any names but we definitely need to get a couple couple guys on here once this team gets back uh, back to work the exciting first anniversary edition of territory oh, it's going to be a party it's uh, it's coming up so be prepared for that and you talked about special guests doug plagans jameson olive here with you as always and back by popular demand our special correspondent from fox sports florida <laughs> jessica blaylock here with us today thanks for being with us uh, today here on territory talk thank you for for having me. Also, I would like to be referred to from here on out as the Steve Martin of Territory Talk. <laughs> I think that Steve Martin has the record for most hosting appearances on Saturday Night Live. And even though I think this is only the third time that I've technically been on the podcast, it feels like a lot more than that, doesn't it? Well, that's yeah. why you've been promoted past guests. You're part of the fabric of the show. Territory Talk fam. <laughs> <laughs> But obviously, Doug, a, a lot to get to here. It seems like uh, we did a show last week. It's every Wednesday. We do it every week. But it feels like it's just been forever since our last show, since we've had no hockey to speak of, really. But obviously, last week, we got into it a little bit with Randy Moeller talking about, you know, the Panthers' three-game winning streak going into this long break, uh, you know, what they do need to do coming out. So if you haven't listened to that yet, go back an episode. Uh, me, Doug, and Randy Moeller, we really get into it there. But um, this and all week, the archived episodes and all are the archive on. You can go to floridapanthers.com slash territory talk, and you can catch up on everything from the last almost one year as we've discussed if you want to go back and go through the whole archives but we have uh, a lot coming up here today we're going to talk a little bit about the the weekend i know jameson had some all-star experiences up in springfield at the ahl all-star classic keith yandel as we knew he would did a great job representing the panthers at the nhl all-star festivities out in san jose so a fun weekend had by all uh, as far as the all-star festivities were concerned in uh, in both leagues yeah just just get to the all-star here i think we can all uh, agree i mean i i'm one of those people that's it thinks it's impossible to have a really good all-star game in any sport like you know start to finish i just don't think it's because you, you just never can give the effort there that you, you want to see because obviously these are these are all the top athletes and you want to see them give 100 percent, but that's just not what the all-star except for. for if you're alexander barkov who yes. i believe is the only player in the history of the nhl all-star game who showed up to play defense yes <laughs> four guys i still remember all even all, even jack eichel and it was jack eichel afterwards told me like they him and austin matthews felt bad because barky like ended up having fun and barky ended up being like the d-man of that three-man unit but that's just that's what Barky does. He happily does it. But um, <laughs> Keith Yandel this year representing the Florida Panthers, uh, obviously, you know, one of the leaders in de- points among defense for the NHL this, le- uh, this season, leader in power play points among defensemen. And uh, ah, thank God for Keith Yandel because he really brought some fun to that event, uh, especially during some of the lulls there, his work, the videos you saw on Twitter, on Facebook and all that uh, of him, you know, interviewing guys on the bench, stuff like that. I know we have another video this week coming exclusively at FloridaPanthers.com, which was, you know, him kind of doing his typical, you know, Yandel with the mic, just interviewing guys. And it's all hilarious. It's all gold. His his dry kind of deadpan when humor he asks steven stamkos what he would be doing if he wasn't at the all-star game right now and stamkos said oh i'd probably go down to turks and caicos and yans asked you have a timeshare 
down there? You're a timeshare kind of guy. I, that might have been one of my favorite moments of Yans with the microphone. Well, I'm glad everybody got to see that because, I mean, that is Keith Yandel. I mean, this is a guy who's got that Iron Man streak going, and you can tell the the fierce competitor that he is out there. But this is a guy who has fun every single day. He is day, really and we see funny that every day. Mm-hmm. And I mean, looking at the All Star game, I mean, Yans got an assist. There was a million goals for each team. Um, I already forgot who won just because, you know, Yans didn't win at that point. So, like I said, the game, the results really don't matter in the All-Star game. I'm still, you know, a big proponent of the skills competition, though. I'm a big fan. Uh, Yandel did the, um, the, uh, the like, the the passing, uh, premier, pa- premier, premier, premier passer, passer yes. the premier passer event, and that that is like watching a horror movie. That is just terrifying. I get so nervous for oh. every single guy because... That looks so difficult. Even for these guys. Even that is for very these difficult. guys who are the most talented players in the world, I would be terrified to do that event because it would take me so much time. I probably actually couldn't even get through it. And there's like 18,000 people just waiting for you <laughs> just watch to get a puck <laughs> in a very small net. And oh gosh, it, it just, I don't know how, I mean, I, I, I look forward to talking to Ian's about it when he gets back because I'm sure that's probably one of the scarier things he's ever done in this sport. Definitely. That, that is just not fun to be in that microscope so that event uh yans i believe came in fourth that, that, that's a fun event but i think it's more more stressful than uh, fun but i mean you had the fastest skater Connor mcdavid wins again you know hardest slap shot all those fun events but uh, i know we talked about this a little bit beforehand but going around the table uh being all premier athletes as we are obviously <laughs> obviously if you could have the one event in the skills competition which would you do let's, let's start with jess here i think the goaltender challenge <laughs> save streak yes I would be terrible at it, but I think it would be fun to see what it's like to be in the net and see what it's like to really go against some of the best shooters in the league. I love how seriously Vasilevsky took it, too, by the way. I could see that one. That's a good one, Doug. For me, it would be the fastest skater competition. I would like to just take off, just go. (laughs) I mean, there's probably the least chance of... Having a major blunder during that, you could trip over the blue line in front of everybody, I suppose, or something. But I would, I would probably just want to get in the fastest gear competition, and just take off. I think I'm going to, have to go with Jess here on the save streak, simply for the fact that I think if I could just stack the pads, maybe stop a couple or a couple guys just try something fun and shoot wide. Like I wouldn't, you'd have a couple saves, I think. Regardless, I'd like of to who's be tied net. to the net, Goldberg like Goldberg style, was yes. in Mighty Ducks. <laughs> because if not, I would probably just always jump out of the way, and then it would completely defeat the purpose of putting together any type of streak. But I know, like, you look on Twitter, everyone has their ideas of how you fix the All-Star game in every sport. I think skills competition is fine, but All-Star game... I really want this. I want it going forward. I think they should have music playing throughout the All-Star Game. I saw you tweet tournament. that, and I don't I don't think I would be opposed. I think that would add a fun kind of element to it, and it's not like these guys need to communicate a lot out there. It's not like it's a huge distraction. This is, you know, three-on-three at the All-Star Game because, I mean, it, that's kind of what makes the skills competition fun is while it's happening, they have, you know, the music blast and guys pick as their songs. As long as it's not playing songs. Hey, Now You're an All-Star by Smash Mouth on, like, on, loop. on a loop. On but, a I mean, I feel like that would have to make it at least, it make it at least once in the event. rotation, though. <laughs> it would have, but I think that's a, I think that'd be a fun thing to do. But the only thing about that is I like, uh, I don't know if that's a, a rights problem or they just don't want to do it. But I mean, as you kind of look down the road, I think it'd be fun to see ahead. But that's just my little improvement. Do you guys have anything? I mean, just looking around. I mean, Jess, you also do a lot with MLB All Stars or anything. Maybe they do. That'd be fun to adopt at hockey. Anything? Well, I think the best part about 
the baseball all-star game is the home run derby. Yeah. To me, that's hands down the most fun to watch. So I guess... See, I wouldn't mind if we took all these NHL all-stars, took them to a ballpark, and, and had a home run derby. Like, maybe just take them out of their element a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. But I'm trying to think if there's any type of equivalent. I mean, because they have all these different types of skills, challenges, so you get to kind of see, you know, a guy in a shootout or, or you know handling the puck or whatever it may be. So I'm trying to think if there's kind of like a like a one-on-one whoever is standing at the very end like in the home run derby. I don't know. I don't know. I like that they have tried to vary it up over the they years. Have, and they at have, the, and have. At the and at the end of the day, I mean going back All-Star games in every sport, I mean what it is kind of all about is being able to see Keith Yandel and Steven Stamkos rush it up the ice together. Right. These are two guys that play against each other so much throughout the season. And, and you know, for, for one night, you get to you get to see them making plays together out there. And and uh, again, it's it's one of those things they, they've tried a lot of things. I'm sure they'll try even more things in the future. But I'm glad they've they've made a, a, an effort to to try and just to evolve the game a little bit. Yeah, that's the thing. And you're, you're never going to hit it every time. But as long as they keep trying new things, I think it's going to keep being fun. And if you keep sending guys like Keith Yandel and guys that you know, just kind of their own media personalities. I think you're going to keep having a good time. Because I think, I think honestly, you need guys like Yans and, you know, I'm trying to think of, of other guys. I mean, as far as personality goes, I think Yans was one of the biggest there. P.K. Subban, guys like that. Right. To, to kind of be kind of faces for the NHL when people that don't watch any hockey games see the NHL All-Star Games on, turn it on. They need to see a guy like Keith Yandel and P.K. and guys like that joking around, having a good time. Like, oh, look at these personalities. Who are these guys? I want to know these guys. You can't just always have a guy being like, in the All-Star Game, you can't just rely on talent alone. You got to have some personality. They hooked the, you know, the outside fans. So uh, I think overall, uh, Keith, good well job. Done. Good well job done, representing Yans. the Panthers. We're all really proud because that's the thing. I mean, I looked on social. Uh, I didn't see a ton of replays of a lot of things, but I saw a lot of Keith Yandel videos yeah. being shared around. So I think uh, there's a big win for the Panthers. No, it was great. It was great. The entire hockey world, I think, got a glimpse into into the personality of, uh, of Keith Yandel, which certainly is great to see. And then moving over, the AHL All-Star Speaking Classic. of fastest skaters. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You saw that. You saw How that about that? So, uh, me, uh, I flew up to, uh, you know, Springfield, Mass. You know, so we, we're the host team for the AHL All-Star Classic here. So I had to go check it out. Um, great city, great arena. Uh, love the AHL All-Star Classic. Uh, big fan of the skills. Skills moves a bit quicker than in the NHL, obviously, because you know, the broadcast isn't as intense. There's not as many sponsors, so you can just kind of go through it. That was fun. The game's a bit longer. It's a bit different. It's like a long round robin. So that, that kind of dragged a little bit at the end, but I like the idea. But um, overall, skills competition. Like you said, Anthony Greco, Panthers prospect, 25-year-old winger, a guy that's been you know, with Springfield the last three years, a guy that you know came up here, made his NHL de- debut back in, uh, I believe, it was early, early December um, in Minnesota. And he just, fastest skater, flew around the ice. AHL record, 13.251 seconds. Faster than Connor McDavid's I was time just this year. about to say, would have beaten Connor McDavid's time. He had McDavid's no idea time. until I told him afterwards, and I think he almost fell over. <laughs> he was like, what? 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 Like he just he didn't get it. And the funny thing is, I mean, I talked to him again the next day, and he said, you know, he doesn't look at social media. He's not a social media guy. But his mom was just blowing up his phone with like every article, every tweet. He was getting it all. Oh, so that's cool. I know he had a good time with it, and that's really fun. And once again, I mean, from the NHL All Star to the HL Star, Panther, Panther, another Panthers again pop up there. And uh, obviously, a gold, top goaltending prospect Sam Montemo was also there at the All Star uh, HL All Star Classic. He had a nice showing, a huge, you know, huge following there already for him. Because obviously, goaltenders, and especially in the HL, even if you're one of the top goaltending prospects. 
for your team. You spend at least a you know, yep. couple seasons in the AHL. People get to know you. People get to know you. You become a fan favorite. And I mean, after the skills competition, he signed. He went around the uh, the the, uh, the rink and signed for fans for probably. I don't know, hour plus after it ended. So he gets it. Uh, he's having fun. I, I, I talked to uh, Thunderbirds GM Eric Joyce. Pan- he was also the Panther assistant GM. He said they love how Monty's developing, love what he's doing, you know, complete night and day from last season. So excited for him, excited for Greco. Great event. Got to run into a couple former Panthers. Logan Shaw was there, you know, as an AHL star in Manitoba now with the Jets. Uh, so it was just really good to see a lot of old faces. And in general, uh, it's something I'd like to go back to again because I'm a big fan of the AHL in general. So that was fun. And once again, you know, Anthony Greco from, from, all of us at Territory Talk, you know, we're, we're proud of you because Grex for a while, too, also had the Territory Talk record for most listens. Yes. So, I mean, this is just another feather in his cap, I think. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how they compare, but it, it's a big deal. Well, the thing with Anthony Greco is so cool. It's one of those situations where I think we always we'd see him play in games. We'd see him at we'd see him in training camp. And you'd, you'd think to yourself, I would love to see this guy in one of these fastest skater competitions. You knew he was you fast. All, we yeah. all knew that he had the wheels. And when you see him out there against the other guys who are the the fastest, you know, among the fastest players in the American Hockey League, fastest players in pro hockey, it, you see what he's able to do. And then on the note of Sam Montembeau, um, one of my favorite things about, I guess, the developmental levels of hockey is seeing the way goaltenders can progress. It's it's something that, you know, from year one, especially at the pro level, year one to year two to, you know, even what he's going to be able to show in the future. It's just really cool to see the to see a young goalie get that comfort level at the at the pro level. And uh, and Sam, Sam Montembeau certainly uh, certainly developing nice in the Panthers organization. Yes, I mean, that's kind of how we spent our, our, our week here. It's going to be fun to see how when the guys get back on Thursday for practice, talking to them, seeing how they spent their time. Because I know this is a big week for all these guys to finally get, you know, this much rest in the middle of their season, especially for the Florida Panthers now coming out of the break, looking to make that playoff run like they did last year. I know the team's really confident about it. Bob Boudner's confident about it. They all are ready to get back to work here. Like you said, two big games this weekend, you know, the, the start of a homestand here. You got Nashville Friday. You got uh, Vegas on Saturday. Two big games games. But overall, Doug, there's also going to be a couple new things at the BB&T Center starting this Friday in terms of concessions. Some new concession items, as Jameson alluded to there. Some new food offerings that you'll be able to sample when you come out to the BB&T Center beginning Friday. Friday, hard to believe it's already February. February 1st Time on flies, Friday yeah. when wow. the Panthers are it's back gonna go on It's going to go faster because we're at home for the next two months. Oh yeah, it's going yeah. to come fast <laughs> and furious uh, starting uh, starting on Friday night coming out of this little, little break here. But Friday 7 o'clock against Nashville. It's Flashback Friday. It's Pride Night coming up on Friday and then Saturday when the Vegas Golden Knights come in. That's also a 7 o'clock face-off and uh, you can get your tickets by going to FloridaPanthers.com. Call 954-835-PUCK. As always, Ticketmaster.com. So lots of different ways to get your Panthers tickets. That's also a uh, Legacy Saturday coming up on Saturday as uh, Ole Jokinen will be honored for the next Legacy Saturday. Big part of the Panthers' 25th anniversary season. But a lot of good new food offerings and Jameson, you and I had a chance to chat with the executive chef here at the BB&T Center, James Versfeld, about some of these new possibilities as far as your in-game dining experience goes. Yeah, so we hope that if you're listening right now, this is not around lunch because it's probably going to make you pretty hungry. (laughs) But uh, here's our conversation with uh, Chef James. All right, well, James, just first, I guess, tell us what your vision is for the culinary experience here at the BB&T Center. Hi, Doug. Uh, yeah, the, the vision here that we're working on developing, it's an ongoing process, is to try to bring higher level um, restaurant, hotel style culinary experience to the large building arena, stadium, arena, sorry, arena that we are in currently. 
And you look at just uh, in general that that experience just uh, in your in your mind, how have you seen that kind of evolve over the years? I know when people come out to a game now, they look for the food as as part of the experience. You know, you have the game, you have everything going on around the game. But, you know, that dining experience can be a big part of it. Yeah, definitely. The going to stadiums and, and eating there. I mean, I've been doing it for a while just as a general consumer. And, and it's definitely changed a lot uh, in the last 20 30 odd years and uh, over the last decade I think it's really been evolving a bit and in my previous experience working in some other uh, large buildings like American Airlines and um, uh, Marlins Park we've seen a real uh, a growth and a sort of a, you know specialization uh, operators like us what we're trying to do is to bring you know, single single item type high level experiences much like you'd get in a, in a food truck or a, a food hall or on the street somewhere overseas in a really cool funky town country that you're looking for like a really particular authentic type uh, culinary experience that's uh, what we're driving for and you look at past years I mean for you know 50 plus years uh, if, you go, if you go to a game it's a hot dog and, a, and fries and a drink or a beer or something like that it was so simple for so long and now it seems like it's, it's almost a, a battle for of creativity around every sports scene I mean it seems like we're seeing press releases and things going viral every year from uh, a new crazy dessert at, at Marley a ballpark or a new crazy you know type of nacho somewhere how do you kind of now approach that just kind of looking at obviously you just got to make the basic stuff but also maybe going out of a limb every now and then and trying to come up with something really out there yeah well i mean definitely we want to make it exciting we mm-hmm. want to make um everybody be able to come to the arena and enjoy the experience um and primarily obviously it's here to enjoy our great team and hockey but it's also for all the members of a, of a family group or a f- group of friends to be able to have a great time and not everybody may have the same level of, of love or uh, attention span may mm-hmm. it be for, for the, the sport or throughout the experience of the game so when they get uh, thirsty or hungry or a little bit bored or tired they go stretch their legs and they get to go out and experience throughout our different uh, plazas and areas a whole bunch of uh, new offerings that we're bringing to board and starting February 1st those three new offerings three new stands you have smells like brunch I know we're all big brunch people here. That's great. Talk about it, Mexican offerings, and check it out, chicken. Was there any specific reason to picking those three kind of maybe areas of food, three things that are you know common? I think it really covers a broad spectrum in terms, uh, in terms of people's taste. Well, we, we really started out, we did uh, some in-depth um, guest uh, you know, response analysis and gathered a lot of data, both uh, internally and externally. Uh, to try to see what our uh, fan base is looking for in, uh, in changes and improvements in the concessions offerings here. And I also wanted to kind of hit the, the most common, the most agreed upon common areas uh, for people in general here in, um, in Florida and Broward County. And I think definitely chicken is one of them. I think bacon is probably another <laughs> one. And then last, I mean, uh, there's not many people that don't like a, a good taco and it's such an easy you know, hand, pick up the item, munch it down. It's quick. Mm-hmm. It's easy. So that was kind of really the mindset of trying to, you have to think we have to work within about a 18 minute window for people to get in line, order some food, pick it up, eat it and be able to get back to their seats without getting too messy or too involved. Hey, we, we had, that's one thing we don't think about is the, the mess and the cleanup and the fact that this is all handheld. But um, you, you've worked at some of the, the, the finest restaurants down in Miami. I, I got them right here at One Bell Harbor Resort, the Region Hotel. And then, you, like you said, you've also worked at Marlins Park, uh, American Airlines Arena. How different is it working and making food for, you know, one night at a fine dining restaurant versus one night at a sports arena where you're probably serving, you know, 15,000 plus people? 
it's excuse me it's definitely a it's a different uh, wheelhouse it's it's a learning experience when i first went into a big building it was it was definitely a big uh, culture shock. I mean, I, I've done banquet, I've done large sporting events type things, but sort of single, single, um, single time, single, uh, but not like, continuously over and over again. It's definitely um, just have to have strong foundations, really be really organized, and uh, be constantly thinking about how to balance uh, the experience you're trying to deliver to the guests while still keeping yourself uh, and your team operationally sound and financially sound, so it's, it's a balance between the two. And a lot more people to manage, I assume, just in terms of for, for your job, kind of overlooking just such a big operation. Yeah, it's definitely uh, a lot of people, and uh, you, I have to take time, spend time every day, walk around the building, see everybody, say hello, see what's going on, you know, sort of check in and uh, glance and, and see what's, what's happening. In the meantime, also uh, sort of um, delegate uh, to my assistant chefs, sous chefs, exec sous, whatnot, and also, you know, empower them to be really in charge and responsible for their, their sub teams uh, within our whole organization. And Jameson asked about a, a couple of the places that you've been, but I guess just, just tell us a little bit more about how your journey led you to this point here. You're not born Chef James. You, you earned the chef later on. How, how'd you get there? Well, yeah, that took a long time. It, it started out in a little fast food fried chicken joint in Houston, Texas. So <laughs> Grandy's fried chicken. So I was frying chicken at the age of 16 yeah. after, uh, you know, I couldn't make, I couldn't legally work. So before that I mowed lawns, but, uh, so it started with fried chicken and it really wasn't uh, in the plans for a long time. But I kept working in restaurants because it was always easy to get a job in a restaurant, especially when you had experience working in restaurants. So one thing led to another. And after a lot of years of uh, goofing around with a lot of different interests of different things, um, realized that uh, sort of my penchant for organization and daily challenges uh, while still working within sort of an organized framework um, really matched what I like to how I like to be my personality. So had fun with it and decided I had to get smart and learn how to make some money at doing it instead <laughs> of just being a, a cook. So I decided to uh, figure out how I was going to make it to be a chef. And you, you mentioned you started out with chicken. Do you have one dish that, uh, that is your, your go-to that you love to work with, whether it's a specific dish or a specific type of food to work with? That's always uh, the toughest question I get asked <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm speaking uh, to people from outside the kitchen. And most people I know that that we work with together in the kitchen, you know, we always laugh and kind of joke about it, not in a bad way, but in the sense that it's there's really no easy answer. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many. For me, I always just say good, great food. Mm -hmm. in any, any kind of really good food minus maybe insects. I don't know. I can't say I haven't had enough insects yet to really <laughs> be able to say whether or not that's out of my wheelhouse. But I do like uh, exploring. I grew up living overseas a lot when I was a kid and with my family. And uh, so we traveled a lot and my parents were always on the point of making us try and eat and touch everything. And so that really kind of resonated years later understanding that um, it's like one of the cool things about the human race is like the one thing that is completely the same for everybody is everybody has to eat food every day whatever it is and uh, everyone can relate to that mm -hmm. well you jameson asked kind of what your your go-to's are as far as far as what you want to make we talked about some of the the new items or, that are coming to the bb and t center is there one in particular item at one of the places we've mentioned that you are i guess most particularly excited about 
Well, I'm really excited about the candy bacon. So uh, am I. I so so am I. Yeah, I mean, I'm from Texas, and we put you know pork or bacon in just about everything, but uh, it makes everything better. But uh, pork fat. But uh, yes, really great uh, sorghum cured bacon uh, that we're getting from an artisanal uh, producer here in the southeast, and uh, we're utilizing that to uh, do, do some really cool, great things. But the other item that I'm super excited about. And I'm really convinced this is going to blow up and uh, probably not the first people to do this, but we're maybe the first people down here is we're doing a spicy chicken thigh fried um, fried spicy chicken thigh sandwich on donuts. Glazed donut sandwich. Sounds good to me. That's it. Yeah, yeah that, that's the, the, like what I said before. That's the kind of thing you take a photo of and it sends up on Twitter and it takes off just because it's unique and it sounds so delicious. But we, we talked about you working in, you know, Marlins Park at American Lions Arena, but it's so different in a hockey rink when it is, you know, 50 degrees in the building. Do you find maybe that affects taste at all? And you do, like you said, spicy food, hot food. Do you think people go for that more? I'm it's still, um, I'm, you know, investigating that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not positive yet. You know, uh, you, you, your mind instantly thinks, you know, why don't we have like a, a soup stand or a stew stand? But, well, don't, don't talk to Doug Plagans <laughs> about soup because he has not had soup since when? 96. 96. Oh. Yeah. Good to that. Well, just a personal thing. <laughs> <laughs> Every, everyone has their particular taste. Mm-hmm. And, um, Looking ahead, obviously, we said these three things are the start. This is only just the beginning. This is all still very new. Phase this one. Phase one. You, you, on that phase one, I mean, just big picture. I'm sure there's lots of secrets you can't, uh, you know, divulge. But just kind of how excited are you for not only this phase one, but maybe where this will be, you know, one, two, three, four years down the line? Definitely excited about that. Lots of uh, ideas popping in. And we already, for phase one, we narrowed it down from about seven or eight ideas concepts stands to this three we're rolling out as well as don't forget we're going to be starting uh, two grab and goes mm-hmm. also within the building that will feature some food items on top of uh, beverage and, and beer and whatnot but we're going to have some uh, to go sushi offered some um, shaker salads some uh, healthy wraps and a couple other items so that'll be fun as well and obviously, South Florida is such a, a great food community. I mean, we have tons of great places to eat down here. Is that something you want to kind of, I guess, be reflected inside the arena as well? When people come inside, they have a ton of variety, a ton of options. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the over I, coming on board and what I talked about when I first talked with um, everyone here, um, trying to, you know, sort of uh, sell myself uh, getting the job because my vision was, you know, that uh, a great new arena kind of. Uh, new presence of food in an arena reflects everyone within the community uh, to a certain degree. So I think we're, there's lots of tons of potential for all kinds of cool items, whether it be, you know, West Indian, European, African, South American, Caribbean, what have you. We're, we're definitely going to be touching all the bases of every any kind of idea or um, culinary culture that resonates for large uh, amounts of people within the community here. And I just think it's exciting. Obviously, you have all this going on, but now we also talk about we have, we have the Funky Buddha Bar open this year, all the drink offerings, and it's really kind of feels like this whole building's kind of becoming just a, a good night out you know, before you even walk into the, 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 the rink and see the team on the ice. It just seems like that's kind of the plan here is to make this just a really good place to be regardless of what's going on. Yeah, agreed. Totally. I mean, my my dream is that within a year or two that I'll be able to walk around the concourse um, while the cats are on the ice and there's going to be 
still lines at some of the stands. <laughs> that's what that's what I'm hoping for. Keep away for the bacon. Yeah, well, I know exactly. we're I know we're excited for the for the new food offerings. I can't wait to try some of the uh, some of the new stuff. And uh, and a big thanks to you for uh, for sitting down here with us today to, to tell us a little bit about it. Well, great, and well, I really appreciate appreciate the opportunity to uh, talk to you about it. Thanks. Thank you. So great to hear from Chef James there, and uh, I know I can't wait for candied bacon on a stick. <laughs> That was just such a serious delivery for that. I loved it. But um, Doug, like you said, I'm excited for that. I'm excited for uh, the the hot chicken, especially given the fact that Nash, it's you know the, the that restaurant opens uh, the the chick the chicken out restaurant opens here when the Nashville Predators in town. It's a regional tie-in. Yeah, so the regional tie-in. I'm sure a lot of Nashville fans that are in town are going to enjoy the Nashville hot chicken. That's going to be delicious. But overall, I mean, arena food in general is so interesting because it's just something that typically you just can't get anywhere else. There's so many weird offerings and certain things that you only really find in stadiums for the most part like a lot of these things i'm sure i know candy bacon you can get elsewhere but i mean you looking around the area i mean especially around the bb and this might be one of the few places in this you know sunrise florida you can get that delicious candied bacon so just i mean jess i know you work in baseball a lot doug you 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 go to baseball games every year we've all been to you know our football games in the past but just what is the perfect arena food if you're just sitting in a stadium regardless of what sport you're watching if you can just have one thing to eat what is that one item for me it's nachos with that synthetic cheese dipping sauce i love chips so much so that i've put myself on restriction from buying chips at the grocery store because i'll take the bag home and i'll eat them all in one sitting which you're not technically supposed to do so if i can splurge on something at the ballpark i probably want it to involve chips in some capacity just chips like any, any toppings or anything other than the cheese maybe a couple of jalapenos on the side for a little bit of kick a little bit of kick a little bit of kick <laughs> just a little bit but just the chips and the nacho cheese would probably be my go-to that's it's, yeah I, I think it's a good one because whenever like if i go to marlin's park i get the pork nachos oh I think, I think those are good i think those that works good. as like a meal like it, and i think it ends up being cheaper than like a burger like a dog and a drink too right. so it's actually like a good full meal it's super filling but Looking around, I mean the uh, the weird the weird thing is is you know we went through and it smells like brunch, Taco Bell, chicken out. These new restaurants at, at BB and T Center. If if like if I was in charge, I think there'd just be like a bagel bite stand out there or something like that that has just, just like bagel bites. You and gold, love your bagel bites. Bagel bites and goldfish crackers, just like really, really simple. It's a good segue because we're gonna talk '90s stuff here. Oh a bit. 90s my gosh, a bit. nothing screams '90s like putting some bagel but bites in the microwave. I, obviously, that's just me. But if I'm at an arena, I think one of the most underrated things is the corn dog. And I just say that mainly not because it's delicious, but it's the fact there's no cleanup. You just you end up with just a stick, and that's it. I mean, so many other things. I mean, if you have a hot dog, if you have a burger, you get you have a little, you have trays and your wrappings, and then it's just it gets messy, and you don't want to put it because you're in a seat. But corn dog takes care of itself, and I, I think that's underrated. On a stick. On <laughs> a stick. Yes, <laughs> that's a good choice. Yeah. It makes for uh, makes for easy. It's portable. I know you're a big fan of foods on sticks. So yes. Yeah, so uh, that would be a great restaurant. <laughs> food on, foods on sticks. Foods on sticks. <laughs> well, a hot dog on a stick still yes still is in some food courts, I believe, across the country. Um, <laughs> but as far as stadium food goes, I think I have some some subcategories here. I know from in press boxes in hockey, obviously, I don't get a lot of chances to go through various concourse levels across the NHL. But anybody who follows me on Twitter knows that if there's a press box that has Reese's pieces in it, it gets out of hand real quick. So those are you're those, basically I, ET. I can't can't lay. 
<laughs> I cannot watch E.T. without a bag of Reese's Pieces, That's actually how we get done to the, the, the radio booth every day. We just, we just leave a little trail of Reese's Pieces <laughs> going up to the booth, lure them in there. I can't, I can't lay off Reese's Pieces. They're one of my, one of my favorite things. So um, if I'm in press boxes, there's Reese's Pieces. I love that. Uh, as far as going to uh, at baseball stadiums is where I do a lot of my, I guess, in-venue uh, food consumption. Anywhere where I can get the largest quantity of Diet Coke or Coke Zero in one shot, I'm I'm going to be pretty happy on a nice summer's day. I like to have that uh, while I'm sitting You're there. You're a big souvenir cup guy? Love souvenir cups. I mm. used to have a big collection. I had to throw some of those out, but I, 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 I tend to collect the souvenir cups. Um, as far as food, ice cream, I love helmet sundaes. The little batting helmets, I still buy them all the time. I've had I've, I've you and I, Jameson. We've, we've had, shared it. We've, we've shared had helmet Sundays. We've had before. helmet Sundays together, and I just think anything in a, in a helmet does just tastes better. So the the Chicago White Sox a few years ago, I don't know if they still have it. They had actually it wasn't like your little suit, your mini helmet. It was one of the like full size souvenir batting helmets, like what actually fit it, your head. It had a funnel cake in it. It had three kinds of ice cream. It had nuts and chocolate sauce and whipped cream and cherries. And nice it was, to know the White Sox are offering a low calorie option. <laughs> It at was, their ballpark. It was something. And uh, yeah, we, we baseball trip, I believe, 15 we had it. And on baseball trip 12, I think we had it. And then you, I mean, look, look For around. For those of you who are unaware of the baseball we talk, trip. We talked to Chef James about it a little bit there. But the, the funnest part is now that, you know, the BB&T is kind of branching out a bit with the food options. You know, you're there, it's eventually going to end up with weird stuff like that because all this stuff always ends up, with, regardless of sport, you always want to end up with that, that interesting dish that goes As viral. long as we don't end up with fried grasshoppers. Like Maybe. Seattle. How were they? Oh, horrifying. The Everglades are right there. I, Lots of like, bugs. We, I, we could easily get some bugs in there. Honestly, I didn't want to try one beforehand because I wanted my reaction on camera to be authentic. And I really feel like it was. because That's why you have an Emmy. <laughs> that's, that's why I'm an Emmy Award winner. Uh, nothing but authenticity yes. from this side of the table. Um, just terrible. I mean, there was no redeeming quality. And when I was looking down into this bowl full of bugs and trying to figure out... Another great name for a restaurant, by the way. Bowl full of bugs. <laughs> <laughs> you are just a good ideas producing yes. machine today. Uh, and trying to decide, do I want to eat the head? Do I want to eat the thorax? Do I want a little leg? Are there different Ugh. seasonings or flavors, or is there just one generic? No, it was flavor? chili lime. I've done the chocolate cover, like ants and stuff and crickets. but Yeah, well, that might have helped a little bit because at least you have the chocolate to kind of drown out the flavor of the bug. Ants? It was just straight yeah. grasshopper, cricket, whatever it was. It will haunt my dreams for the rest of my life. And just once again, uh, we, we, we just brought this up. Jess obviously is a professional. She is an Emmy winner. And just to know, just to let you guys know the length she goes to, this is not a visual medium right now. And she she put makeup on. For Didn't today's brush event, my hair, though. But she put Didn't makeup on. Didn't brush my hair. I figured. Not even on camera. She just wanted to, so listeners, maybe you can hear that at home, her professionalism. But it is there. Had to get ready for the boys a little bit. But uh, <laughs> couldn't couldn't manage to find time to put the comb through the hair at least once. Speaking of Jess, one of the funnest things we do with Jess is when we get Jess on, we just feel at home because we are all here in our, our mid to early 30s. We're all of the same or, generation. Or getting close to late 30s on <laughs> certain sides of the table. Certain sides of the table. Um, but we all, we all kind of share one thing in common, and that is just a huge love of the 90s, which I know is just you know a big part of being a Panthers fan, too, is a love of the 90s. I mean, that 96 team, the rat trick, all that stuff. Like you said, um, Legacy Saturday coming up this Saturday with the 
Kelly Yokinen, you know, a big part of this team in the late 90s and the early 2000s. Uh, Steven Weiss, not a 90s baby here with the Florida Panthers, but his Legacy Saturday is coming later in the year. Only two left, so make sure to come out because these have been great. But Legacy Saturdays, Flashback Fridays, like you said, this Friday is a Flashback Friday as well. It, a lot of looking back this year at the 90s. And last time we had Jess on, we talked about 90s toys. And for some reason, people enjoyed that a lot more than our hockey insights. <laughs> So, no, Doug, you, you had an idea for another 90s topic to quickly get into before we uh, get off the show here today. Well, I was going to ask, are we, I mean, I, I'm, I'm inviting Jess back for another episode because we have a few more of these categories that we're going to have to do. I'm sure, I'm sure you can fit it into your, into your schedule at some point in time. Absolutely. Anything for territory talk. But just, we, we, were, we were talking, do we want to go the TV route? Do we want to go the music route? I know those would probably, uh, you know, those probably resonate with a lot of folks out there. I think we should there. just knock out a quick, a quick round the table music route of 90s music. I don't know if you can talk music quickly with is, any of the three of us. That's true. This is some. This could be a whole different podcast. It is true. I don't think you can talk any 90s quickly, really. No. I think it was a great decade, and I think anybody would say this about, like, the decade that they grew up in, but I think it was a great decade to grow up in. There were so many cool things to help shape your tastes moving forward, whether it was music or TV. We, we had a lot of cool things back in the 90s. And it produced a lot of good hockey players. Yes, it did. Some of our favorites, too, growing up. But I, we, we got to do something. We got to get around. So, Jess, let's not get too deeply into music. But let's just really narrow this down. If you had to pick one song that defined the 90s oh, to man. you, to you personally. To me. So one song, Ooh. not a band or anything. Because obviously we get into bands, we get into oh, all the music, so we can go for hours and hours. But if you just have one song, if Doug, if you get it, if you get one People first, might want the hours and hours and hours. They do, but probably not today. That is a very, very tough question. We'll do a live show for the, for the hours and hours. That is such a hard question. Um, one song from the 90s. Because I feel like if you do, like, generic, people will pick, you know, like, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Right. Well, I was going to say, because there's so many genres, even within the 90s. I mean, it was the first time we really saw, like, that grunge movement from Seattle really take over, the Nirvanas, the Pearl Jams, all of that stuff. Um, That's what you can't... There were also, like, there was the pop invasion with... Britney and NSYNC yeah. and Backstreet Boys and all of that stuff. So we're not picking the best song, but the song that when you think 90s just pops into your head. Because for me, like I had one pop into my head immediately. And then as I thought more, it's obviously not one of the best songs of the 90s. Not, one of, right. not even one of my favorite songs of the 90s. But I immediately thought 90s music just bringing that up. It was the one that popped into my head. And that was Smooth. By Rob, to- by Santana I was gonna Rob go. Thomas. I was gonna go. Hold my hand by Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> you see, <laughs> these are the best songs of the '90s. But by God, by the they, way, Hootie and the help, Blowfish. Help define I the will 90s. admit is a guilty pleasure band. Like I don't want to tell people I have as many Hootie and the Blowfish songs on my iPod as I do. But I have. How well, would the, went- the Marlins never had a Hootie and the Blowfish night? You got the fish tie-in. That's true. Take it to the high. Take it, okay, take it let to me Jeets. take it to Jeter. Let me see what I can do with that. <laughs> let me let me work on that. A guilty pleasure '90s song is a whole different is another subcategory. Well, too. that's the thing. There's so many categories, but Doug, just like mine, would my guilty pleasure '90s song would probably be "You Get What You Give" from the New Radicals. I challenge anybody to turn that song off when it comes on. 
I actually had that CD. I did too. For that one I song. I can't and tell realize you. the rest of the album was... I don't think I could tell you anything on the rest It'd of the album. No, I don't think I could either. Ever, but we could literally go around the circle just each... each Semi-sonic t- closing time. That's a good one. You can't go wrong. That'll, the, and the that album was album actually solved. really good. We could probably just go around the table each naming just song after song and I was like, oh, Third yeah. Eye Blind. For, uh, Third Eye Blind, for, Semi-Charm Life. For me, it would be... I mean, the first thing that comes to mind when I think of music from the 90s is the Weezer Blue album. So for me, what I'm just song? I'm just gonna go. Song, maybe? For me, I it's probably Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly, yeah, yeah I hope, for sure. I, you know, I, it's probably Buddy Holly. If I had to get dig a little deeper on that, I uh, in the garage is an awesome song. But that was another great thing that came out Say of the it 90s. Ain't so is had, a great Say it ain't song. so is unbelievable, and the sweater song and yeah. my name is Jonas, and it's just a great album. But that that was something else that came out of the mid '90s. Was you had the Offspring, still Smash is still the highest selling independent record of all time, and you Say had and you had Green Day, and and you know the whole all, all the the punk rock. That that got uh, got to the forefront. So it was a great it was a great basket case would have been a great nineties yeah like and the, 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 kind the, of the crazy thing is I mean we've only been without hockey here for what like seven eight days and Rory is devolving into this <laughs> madness of lists and <laughs> looking back in time and all this stuff. So this just gets me excited for the summer shows when Jess just comes up gets on here we can just shoot the breeze for, for for the diehard territory talk fans for an hour that seem to love hockey in the nineties. Today territory talk's going to take a look back at nineteen ninety three. Let's go. We should, <laughs> let's go through each year of the nineties together. Maybe we can get Rob Thomas on here for Matchbox. When he gets some celebrity guests. Oh, man, that would be amazing. That would be fun. But, Doug, um, like we said, coming out of this break, looking ahead, a lot of time off, but uh, everyone's just ready to get back to it, get back out there, get going. Um, a lot of guys, I mean, Vincent Trocek being back has been huge. Frank Ricciano has been huge. Barkov, I mean, what is arrested Barkov going to look like? I cannot wait to see that. I hope he just did nothing but hibernate this entire break in, in his Barkov. He probably game. worked out every day. Yeah, I know. Probably Probably found a way to skate Every day. Well, he had that challenge with Riley Barber on the beach the other day. I hope that was the only time he put on skates this whole break. But like you said, knowing him, he was probably just you know, I think doing... he golfed a little bit. I think I golf. saw some... Uh... There was a finish golf adding with yeah. him and Patrick Lina, UC yep. Okanen. I would love to be a part of that for Oh, me too. They had a spot. There was only three. I would have been a part of that foursome. That would have been a great time. But... um so much to be excited for for the second half, and especially if uh, I mean, just looking back, even at last year's uh, second half, obviously we you know twenty five eight and two coming out. Um, we're not saying they're going to do that again, but like I said, they're always a better team in the second half. But I remember the early goings when they came out of that All Star break, and I said, you know, if they can just win the first two or three or three out of four, come out of the break, it's going to be a different layout. Let's look at it a little differently. And I think that's the same thing here. If you can come in, if you can you know win this back to back against two really tough teams in Vegas and Nashville, I think everyone that maybe said you know, oh that's cute, but you know they're still not going to get back in it might be saying that you know oh geez i might have to you know not have to start believing here a little bit just given how things are going because uh hockey more than any sport it's a sport of parody you never know what you're going to get i mean look at the buffalo sabers already one of the hottest teams in the league for a lot and you know they took a huge dive now they're kind of evening out a bit but i mean it is just ebbs and flows after ebb and flow in the national hockey league and you just kind of hope the panthers uh catch that wave and ride it here a little bit i think one of the things i'm most excited to see is just how these these guys that have been called up from Springfield that have been uh, I guess that have offered such a, a boost to this lineup when you go down the list guys like Henrik Borgstrom, Jace Howerluck on the back end, Ian McCaution, Josh Brown I mean these guys have done a great job since they've been called up to be able to see how they continue along here in the in the second half. That and deep pairing has been phenomenal. Awesome, awesome yeah. Uh, yeah they've done a great job and you can tell they're comfortable playing with each other and, and you can tell that uh, just based on what Bob Bugner says um, you know he likes that those guys play within themselves out there so it's uh, they've been uh, they've been doing a great job for the Panthers and then 
And again, uh, you know, a guy who had a great, uh, great first half. I can't wait to see. And I know we we say first half. There's it's really a sprint to the to the finish. Now you're talking every team in the ballpark of, you know, 30, 32 games remaining on the schedule, something in that neighborhood. But to see what Frank Vetrano is going to do here in the post All-Star break part of the schedule, red hot going up to the break and uh, and to be able to see that continue here. It's going to be something that's that the Panthers not only are, are looking forward to seeing, but uh, they're going to be counting on because he's been uh, been so reliable for the Panthers all season long. And I think what we need more than anything, and I think the biggest motivating factor behind the Panthers, you know, push for the playoffs this year is just to have more Jess Blaylock victory dances. Jess, 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 <laughs> Jess. But I mean, I just looking at that, I know that's become a power thing on Twitter. D- did you take this time, this break, to practice? I mean, you, you, I feel like you were running out of moves I'm always there practicing. I feel like you might have been running out of moves. I feel like we need to see some new stuff. Jameson, I'm always practicing. <laughs> Usually uh, dance parties by myself in my car at red lights. Um, with your dogs. With my dogs, yeah. You know what? I was glad that we could get them involved in a victory dance. That opens up a whole new... You know, it whole new really area. does. And if I'm being honest, it's just because I had no makeup on. My hair was wet. I was in my pajamas. So Lemon really took one for the team that night <laughs> because I wasn't ready to put that version of Blaylock out on social media. Uh, but... Yeah, Chester's going to have to make an appearance on one of those now so that they can both get some airtime. I just like this becoming a whole family affair for the Blaylock family. All the You, the dogs, <laughs> your parents were just in town. You should have got them. To, you should have pre-recorded a dance with them and just put it in your back pocket. That would have been, that would have been great. I should have thought about that, yeah. But uh, I'm expecting a lot more victory dances in the second half of the season. So I am going to have to work on some moves. Um I'm not a prolific dancer, if that's one thing that we've noticed from these victory dances. Dancing is not my greatest skill. Hey, if you do something confidently, (laughs) usually people will embrace it. And that is one thing I will say about those victory dances. They are brimming with confidence. And you know what? So are the Florida Panthers. Not so much skill, but brimming with confidence. Especially (laughs) since the return of Vincent Trocek. So from the dances to the Panthers, it's all about confidence here in the second half. And that's probably going to be, I mean, the word from the beginning half of the season was consistency. I think we're just going to take another C word. Second half, confidence. And I think if this team's confident, uh, anything can happen. And with Vincent Trocek's return, I know we've talked about that so much. We talked about it a ton with Randy Muller last week. And we all know what it means to this Panthers team to not only have the emotional leadership of a guy like Vincent Trocek out there, but just to have the all situations ability that he has to take take some minutes away from Alexander Barkov and, and to, to be able to slot everybody else where they're, where they're supposed to go in that lineup it just means so much for the Panthers. But that has really given this team a ton of confidence, and uh, we'll look to see how that continues along here as uh, the Panthers go into this post-All-Star break portion of the schedule. And again, uh, Friday at 7 against Nashville, Saturday at 7 against Vegas. That starts up a very home heavy month of February. We're going to be playing a lot of hockey in a short period of time. So hopefully everybody's ready for that and uh, looking forward to seeing everybody out there. Yeah. And uh, once again, Jess Blaylock, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I am always thrilled when I get to be a correspondent (laughs) on Territory Talk. Talking territory. Thanks for listening to Territory Talk, the official podcast of the Florida Panthers. For all your Panthers news and information, follow FLA Panthers on Twitter.